0: You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sick podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and the only podcast of its kind. A big shout out to the Good Men Project before we get rolling on the show today. You may or may not know that I'm hosting a social interest group call based on creating success with a disability every Wednesday at 11 a.m. We have in-depth discussions as well as help others collaborate in handling things like how to disclose your illness to your boss or client and reasonable expectations of your family, etc. The entire goal is to make sure that people living with chronic illness and disability are receiving the support they need. Obviously, dovetails quite nicely with our mission at SICK Success. Also make sure that you step into Barnes and Noble to pick up my new book, SICK Success, The Entrepreneur's Prescriptions to Turning Pain into Purpose and Profit. We are available nationwide. So I would love to have your support in reading the book and then getting your feedback and hearing what you think about it. If you want to order it from Amazon, simply search SICK Success. My guest today, Matthew Wright, is a root cause health analyst. Whew. I was introduced to him through my dear friend, Courtney Blair, who is also my podcast booking manager. And there is truly no one better in the business if you're looking for additional visibility on podcasts. When I met Matthew, I didn't understand what he was about. I was excited that he was working in a similar capacity as SickBiz. And we talked to each other to see how we could benefit each other's causes. Now I'm super thrilled to have him on and share his concepts and what he's been working on. It's actually more than concepts. He is working on proof-based body science. He will explain to you why it is important not just to get the results back from your labs or from your doctor and treat the symptoms. It is, in fact, vitally life-changing when you learn the underlying cause for those symptoms. Welcome my new friend and nutrition myth raveler, Matthew Wright. Matthew Wright is in the Sick Biz Buzz studio this morning. Amazing to have you here, my friend.
1: Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm really honored to be here and to be included as part of this.
0: Oh my goodness! Yes. Well, from the second that we t- talked, it was like, okay, this is kismet. We have to do this, right?
1: I don't know what kismet is, but yes, there was <laughs> definitely that vibe.
0: Yeah, kismet is fate. Kismet oh, okay. is like uh its like this huge synchronicity that you could feel when you meet each other, and you say, "Oh wow, you must be in my you must be in my journey or my life and my mission for a purpose." That's what it felt like meeting you. Yes, definitely. <laughs> which, is, which is super cool. So our first question is, how did you get to this day? It's a broad question. A lot of people are like, what do you, do you want me to start when I'm like six years old? No, not unless you want to, not unless it's relevant. What relevant moments in your life brought you to this day where you are here, where you are helping the people that you are in the capacity that you are?
1: Okay, so um, I have two really big kind of like health-changing t- kind of experiences that put me um, where I am. And so when I was a kid, um, I had like severe food allergies, basically, and those food allergies actually led to significant behavioral problems. And my mom was a nurse, and, you know, we'd just been having these behavioral problems for as long as, you know, my family and I, my young conscious self could remember. and. I walked into the third grade class, and and the teacher um, had been seeing like a naturopathic doctor, and she suggested to my mom that I had food allergies and not like a behavioral disorder. And they were about to put me on Ritalin, which I'm so glad that didn't happen. Mm. Um, So we went, and I got a bunch of allergy shots, and it turned out I was allergic to a bunch of really common stuff. Um, And so it was corn, wheat, soy, broccoli, and a couple other things, and corn, wheat, and soy are in everything. So we changed my diet for about two years and I had this like behavioral 180. And it's really crazy because you you're kind of going from like this like super stressed out like kid who's mm-hmm. just trying to like survive to like actually having like a, a consciousness you can direct into what you what you think is fun. Um, and then these go ahead.
0: So And then you applied that. You, that made such an enormous impact on you to learn those things about yourself and about what you're actually putting in your body. You applied that to what you do today.
1: Totally. Um, yeah. So I, I, I believe food allergies are, are a big part of, of what I do and what, what people should be aware of. Um, so just quick side note is, is there's food allergies and there's, or there's food, yeah, allergies and there's food sensitivities. Allergies or like a deathly reaction, like, oh, my throat is closing up, and sensitivities are like, hey, my ears are hot, or like my nose is runny, um, or like my cheeks are red, or like, just like all those little things. And it's all those little reactions that can lead, because it's just an inflammation response in the body, it can lead to behavioral disorders, or like a weird rash, or all these things. It's just internal damage.
0: Um, Okay. Interesting. So a lot of people probably don't understand that difference. They probably lump in allergies and food sensitivities together.
1: Correct. Yeah. It's, it's because, you know, people aren't, aren't taught, um, how to look for them. And, uh, you know, so, so here's some of the measures. Here's some of the really practical measures. Are your cheeks red? Are your ears hot? Um, Mm. does your nose run? Um, does your heart beat faster if you track that? Um, I heard on a podcast once that this lady's heart would beat 20, 20 beats per minute faster when she would eat a particular food. Wow. Um, and so some foods that that people are commonly allergic to um, are what are called nightshades. So things like peppers and goji berries and um, white potatoes. Those are all fall in the nightshade family. Um, then there's also uh, lectins, which is also white potatoes. And Oh, no, no, it's nightshades have lectins in them. And then also gluten is a very, very common uh, 70 to 80% of people um, are gluten-sensitive but not having an allergic response to gluten or being celiac. So it's gluten sensitivity, 70 80% of people, and I can get you plenty of sources for that if you'd like.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and I wanted to talk about that for a minute because I think there – and I don't want to spend the whole – you know, the, the, the entire amount of time talking about this, but it is worth, it's worthy to talk about this for a minute and explain to people who say wheat has been around for centuries. People have been eating it forever. And so now there's a confusion about the correlation between wheat and gluten and allergies and sensitivities. And what do you have to say for those people who are just pounding the table that shut up and eat your gluten and everything's all right? Because let me tell you what, sometimes I feel like punching those people in the face a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is something like I was kind of like, man, I have to be educated and be able to talk about this. So I'm going to try to keep on track with all the points. Um, so here, here's a couple, a couple big things. When you have gluten, you actually get a, I believe it's a morphine-like response in the brain. It's, it's addictive, actually. Mm. So after you eat gluten, then um, you have a craving in your body for more gluten, which is crazy. Um, the next crazy thing is that it's been shown, um, Dr. Tom O'Brien presented at a conference I was at recently, within five minutes of eating um, gluten, you start to cause leaky gut. And so leaky gut is kind of like where you eat food, the food is partially broken down, and instead of being absorbed as nutrients in your body, it just goes out into your blood. And when it goes out into your blood, um, it's, it's a whole mess. Like, it's like having a food allergy because you get any kind of reaction there. Um, wow,
0: that's crazy. And now – and just briefly – before we jump into more about you, because I don't want this to be like a debate about gluten, although I'm (laughs) greatly enjoying it and feel like we could do this for hours. Personally, I truly do, and I know Robert is rolling his eyes right now, like, you don't want it to be a debate, but you keep talking about it. Okay. So, um, is it not true that the structure of gluten has changed based on genetically Modified food engineering, and the second part of that question is, does the our gluten sensitivity have to do with uh, fertilizer or pesticides
1: the The fertilizer and the pesticides definitely exacerbate those things. Um, mm-hmm. There is not positive studies to my knowledge on um, GMO foods causing mm-hmm. leaky gut, but there is an, an intense amount of correlation. And there's an intense amount of, um, anecdotes of GMO foods being dangerous. And the, the kind of leading people in that field, um, would it would be a guy named Jeffrey Smith. Um, okay. so, so real quick, I want to touch on one more thing with the, with the gluten and the wheat is that it's something like 70 to 90% of the wheat in the U S is non GMO. Second to that, um, the, the other big problem with wheat is that it spikes blood sugar. And then you say, well, I'll eat the gluten free options. Well, the gluten free options spike your blood sugar even more. And so it's like, if you're wanting to, you know, preserve your insulin response, I don't see it as a, as a food to be included in the diet. Cause it's like, oh, well I'll eat sourdough or something or I'll eat organic. It's like, okay, well it's like, you're taking a risk that like 90% of the time, like it's got you know, something you don't want in your body on it or in it, or like, that is it.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, and this is a great lead in to talking about what FDN is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the tagline of of FDN or functional diagnostic nutrition um, is we investigate the hidden stressors and heal them with a DRESS protocol. So, What are those, what does hidden and DRESS mean? Hidden is hormone, immune, digestion, detoxification, energy production, and nervous system. And we invest or we heal those things. We create healing protocols, lifestyle protocols that involve diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and supplementation.
0: Okay. You have a number of protocols that you are following to helping people understand. And this is a real thing. Like as, as you put it, I was, I was uh, stalking your page, ethically stalking you. Shout out to Matt Smith, who created that uh, phrase. <laughs> <laughs> in this day and age when we have to find out information about our clients and uh, about our guests and, and people in our, our marketing realm, we have to ethically stalk them. So that's what I was doing with you. Um, but as you put it, you are getting letters. Behind your name, and what does that mean?
1: So after you graduate the the FDN program, it's not it's not you know uh, it's not a walk in the park program. Um, I don't know what like the pass rate is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's not a walk in the park program. It's not like a cheap program.
2: Sure. Um,
1: it's the people who are in there are serious people. Um, so what I mean, I, it was kind of a joke that I get to put letters behind my name. Um,
0: because it doesn't really mean that much what what it what means more is the field and the study of you Correct. being a root cause health analyst yes. and and this is and I love this because when i read that i was like man i understand what that is but i don't understand what that is
1: like what it entails like what it yeah, actually it,
0: Yeah, exactly. But it was exciting because when you go see a medical doctor, let's say, uh, let's just say you're going to go see an oncologist. You don't understand, inherent in their title, what the process may entail. Correct. You you know, you know, you're going to them, you may have a series of tests done, you may have um, a regimen put into place. Uh, You may be advised to go to other experts, but inherent in your title is that you are looking at the root cause for health conditions and that you are analyzing those, you know, the lab reports and the results that come back. So this is fascinating because I honestly didn't even know that there was anybody like you out there. I, I had no idea. So it's amazing to me. And of course, you and I talked about in our first conversation, we kicked it off with talking about poop, which, <laughs> which we're on, you know, we're kind of on a quest to uh, destigmatize talking about poop. Everybody is like, oh, it's this is private and it's this and whatever. But it's very tied to what our health looks like, isn't it?
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and explain what you had said about having um, a stool sample and why that is not sometimes accurate.
1: So, so as as a functional practitioner, um, heads up, we don't we don't diagnose or treat anything. Um, so basically, j- just for the listeners, I don't know if this is going <laughs> to explain the intro. Um basically the the engagement process for a client looks like I I look at what kind of symptoms you're having. There's an intake form for that. There's another intake form for um, why you might be having those symptoms. And then there's a medical history form. After that, um, you know, depending on where you're at, I might suggest a couple of different labs or I might suggest no labs at all because so much can be done um, without the labs. It's uh, like health is... Good health or bad health is death by a thousand cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, really, it's, it's every small decision you make. So as far as a stool sample, yes, that is among the, the labs I run. Um, and so basically, you know, your intestines are, are 25 to 30 feet long, right? And so mm-hmm. if you take a, a one-inch sample from that, it's like, how accurate is that? So, but beyond that, it's like, what is the implication for the testing? So in in the functional medicine, functional practitioner field, we operate on not just what does the paper say, like, oh, the paper says this or it doesn't say this. So I'm going to give you this. It's not an N equals one equation. It's Mm -hmm. we look for what's called clinical correlation. So that's taking our client's story, which is like, how'd you feel before? How'd you feel after? What symptoms do you have? You know, Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, let's try this. Oh, that's not working. Let's adjust it. so the implications for, you know, a positive or negative result on a on a stool sample test, it's kind of like, well, my client, the, the test doesn't say this, but my client is reporting this, right? Mm-hmm. And if we're, if we're approaching these, these issues with, you know, drugless, all natural protocols, stuff that fixes the problem and, and doesn't just cover the problem, then it's not, I mean, really it's not going to hurt you to go through, say, like a gut cleansing protocol, you know, kind of whether or not there is a pathogen there.
0: Right. It might be uncomfortable. but Right. But it might not, it might not treat your underlying symptom because you don't understand what that is. And so you have to understand what that is before you can implement the treatment, treat that root cause. And what's interesting also, and this is what uh, arose in our conversation, is you also deal with the emotional element. And, and this is something that I wanted to dive into quite deeply today. Um, you address a topic that a lot of people are afraid of. And that, yeah, and that's, we get used to being sick. We sink into a sick mindset, into a sick identity. So you ask people if they are mentally prepared to be well. What do you mean by that?
2: Yeah, so as, as part of
1: kind of, um, not necessarily the intake process, but more the onboarding process is, um, the question is, are you ready to heal? If someone walks in to your, your office or your, um, you know, I operate online.
2: So if, if you're having a meeting with someone and they, Oh well, I feel like this. Well, are you ready to heal from? Yes. No. Mm -hmm. He says, firm head is like. Like.
0: Okay, so th- let's, put a, let's put a pin in that for a minute and talk about it. Why in the world would someone want to receive confirmation over and over again that they are sick
2: seeming to take the action to get better? It's called, called body. So, like, what's in your body? So, physiological. the supplement. give them all the stuff, but your head is at work. on. So it's not just it's not just about, you know,
1: here's your supplements by continued, you know, refinement of the lifestyle and mindset. They feed into each other so much. And an- another note on this is uh in asking that question, are are you ready to heal and why someone might want, you know to walk into a practitioner's office, only be confirmed of what they're already thinking, what they have in their head, is potentially um, because they receive love that way. Oh, because I have this chronic disease, I always have to lay on the couch. People have to bring, you know, things to eat or something. And when they bring me things to eat, that's when I feel loved and cared for. And so healing can actually be a sort of, for people who are chronically ill, who have been ill for a long time, um, healing can actually be like a death of the, like, wow, am I ready to let go of my old self? Which -hmm. is crazy, because we're like consciously aware of, like, I'm doing this to myself, and I have the choice, but it's it's like when you're having a bad day, it's like, oh, well, you know, you could just like, you know, and like perk up all of a sudden, but it's like, for some reason, that doesn't make sense to us as humans. And we want to like sit in that
2: sorrow, you know?
0: Well, let's, let's go a a layer deeper. So I think there's a component of grieving and regret. Absolutely. To these, these aspects, because one, when we're talking about grieving and this can occur from going from well to being sick or disabled, and from going from being sick or disabled to being well, because what happens is we're comfortable with identification. We're comfortable saying, I am this, I am that. And for people out there going, don't say I'm a disease, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying living with the disease, this is my reality. I accept it daily. This is how I go to bed. This is how I sleep. This is how I eat. These are my experiences. This is my pain. And when you get used to certain things, there's a grieving. And grieving is letting go of expectation. And grieving is letting go of familiarity. So mm-hmm. I think we kind of have to expand that definition for people to understand that you can even grieve a loss of a sick mentality, which is freaking crazy, but our our minds do that. They latch onto what we decide we need to understand. We can't exist as nebulous people having these conditions and not identifying this disease, this symptom. We can't exist without naming everything, including ourselves and our own identities. And then the other thing is that once we wrap our heads around that, like, that's just trippy, right? Then we move into regret. But if I get better, it means that I wasted time. Why didn't this happen sooner? Is my pain wasted? What am I supposed to do with my experiences now if I get better? Do I just discard them? Are they not meaningful? Who am I now? What does that look like? How do I go forward? It's crazy. It's almost like winning the lottery you You mm-hmm. have to do that mental mindset work in in money matters you You have to prepare yourself and say well i can I can earn it i I'm worth it. I can take care of it. I'm not going to give it away um you know there's a deep em- deep emotional work that has to be done. And the same is true if you're moving from a mentality of being sick to getting well. Mm-hmm. It's trippy.
2: Yep, body like, mind.
0: Yep, body mind is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can really hold us back. Like, have you worked with people who you know, and it's very hard? I would imagine like it is the hardest thing ever. To have the words "I don't want to get better because I'm scared of what that means, to even have that realization it has to be exceedingly difficult to have that level of self-awareness.
1: I haven't worked with anyone uh, yet on this issue, but I think I have uh, potentially a more profound client, and that is myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so the you were talking about the grieving process, and I can say um, as As a man, you know our feelings our grieving is you know um conditioned out of us as we grow up yes, and so to have you know an emotional problem a problem a problem with emotional attachment, trust with mm-hmm. other people, feeling
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, feeling love, and having that turned off either through a traumatic experience where now you're putting walls up for people or, um, as a, yeah, as a man, it can, it can be hard to simply reconnect in order to go through the grieving process. So there's a million and one different tools out there. And, um, actually on Saturday, a couple days ago, I tried um, tapping with one of my friends for the first time. And my friend, um, she's a professional tapping person. Mm-hmm. And so tapping is, is you're your just tapping about 10 times on kind of your head. And then there's kind of like some spots around your eyes and right under your nose and your chin and kind of your collarbone and then the side of your body and then your hand. And it gets to be this rhythmic thing for mind-body connection. And so it's not that, that tapping. Is going to um, solve your emotional problem, but it can get you more reconnected with your feelings, and then it's at that point that you can do the grieving process, and then um, and then move to those those ascended feelings. I can tell you one of the the paradigms that has been exceedingly helpful for me um, over the past few months. Um, is number one trying all those different exercises, but a book called Letting Go by Dr. Um I don't want to mess this up. Let me pull up Audible real quick by Dr. <laughs> Dr. Hawkins. There's a Dr. Dawkins and a Hawkins. Hawkins, like okay. a Hawk. And he has this um graph of emotional power. And so shame and guilt are at the lowest points on the graph and at the top is um love and then unconditional love and then enlightenment and kind of in between there in increasing power there's courage and let me see if i can pull this up real quick so yes.
0: there's all of these emotional components and you know and we will link to this graph as well and i think that's just fascinating that Our Western medicine just hovers at the surface, and we push pills. Well, here's your quick fix. It's almost like Jetson medicine. Take a pill for this. You need to take a pill for your nutrition. You need to take a pill for that. But we excuse ourselves from the work that we have to do to take care of our bodies and our minds, because we want the quick fix. I want that shake. I I want that diet pill. I want that, uh, what's that thing called? It's the shake weight. I want that shake
2: weight.
0: <laughs> you know, I want, you know, like the Suzanne Summers thigh master. I want the thigh master. I don't want the gym membership. I don't, I don't want the commitment to this. So it's fascinating. And as we round our show, which is crazy because we only just got going. Um you
2: barely scratched the surface. Yeah. I
0: know. Like we hovered at the surface seriously. But what has been the most surprising part of your journey?
1: Um, Could I touch real quick on the the implications of this graph real quick? Oh, sure. So the implications for this graph is you can find where you are at, you know, whether it's shame, guilt, apathy, grief, desire, anger, etc. And you can find out that a lot of times if you really investigate your, your motive for continuing to feel in a particular state, it's not that an I can't do something. It's, the, it's, the, it's an I won't do something. I won't. Um, I can't transcend this feeling. I feel as if I can't transcend this feeling and ascend to the next feeling up on the graph because I won't let go of blank. And then you can you know mm-hmm. interrogate yourself again. What is the benefit of holding on to this experience or this viewpoint? And I have a whole bunch more exercises and questions Um, I will actually, I'll actually send, I'll send the graph, and I'll send over uh, the set of five questions you can use to interrogate emotions, Um, and then so the question, now moving on, the question you had asked was the most surprising thing on my journey so far, and I think the most surprising thing on my journey so far has been that um, there's this big movement of biohacking going on, and Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's great because it's awakening people to their health, and it's, it's encouraging people to not just be at at a functional level, hey, I have no symptoms, but to be at a point where they are um, high-functioning members of society in terms of their their health and their mindfulness. The problem arises, um, I talked about the the DRESS program earlier, diet rest, exercise, stress reduction, Mm -hmm. uh, supplementation. The problem is when someone has an issue, and they come into, say, a Facebook group, and they say, oh, what are the hacks? And so it's like, where is the crossover between what is baseline health? And what is a, what is a biohack? What is extra? What's, what's going beyond? And so the surprising thing for me on my journey is that as, as part of going through the FDN program, um, which isn't the only program I intend to go through, it's, um, you do a couple of your own labs as part of that. And the labs uh, I did, there's kind of five labs, major labs that you learn about in that course. But the two you are required to do are an adrenal stress profile and a metabolism Mm. prior to starting a formal study um I was kind of known as like the hacker guy, and I was trying out all these different tricks for my sleep and um tracking it with this app and I was like starting to get really good numbers but the the problem was that I had this I had this crazy sleep routine like I had to do all these things to get that number, and so it's like yes, we live in the twenty first century world where there's EMF and toxins and all this stuff disrupting are, are 100% potential to function well, but at what point um, is what we're doing just in complete excess? And so for me, uh, you, do, you do a, a review call for, for those lab results so that you can act as a client and a mentor can act as a practitioner. So in that review call, what we discovered was that I was kind of high on life. And while I was waking up every single day, like super excited to study this stuff, like before work, lunch, and dinner, um, before moving into it more full time, um, mm-hmm. what was surprising to me is that, is that my lab results correlate with my lifestyle. So it's like, oh, hey, I'm sleeping really well. I'm eating really clean. I work out. But my lab results are saying, saying otherwise. And so for me, it's like, so rounding it back to that, that biohacking thing. Is the biohacking stuff or or the wellness stuff you're doing, is it covering? Is it just covering an issue or are you doing something to heal the issue, the underlying issue? And that's been the greatest thing I've learned
2: thus far.
0: You know, and I think that's really fascinating because we, a lot of us look at hacks as this is in totality what we can do to make our life better. But a hack is an accent to mm-hmm. doing the work in your emotional and nutritional life. It's not okay. its not something that's like, okay, well, I discovered this super easy way uh, to do things, and so I'm gonna apply it across the board. It's like, well, you know, maybe on a day when I'm having a hard time with commitment, for example. Right, if you're having a hard time with commitment, you can implement a hack. Or you can use a hack as a regular part of your regimen. So it's great. It's interesting because, you know, hacks are this huge buzzword in everything. We even use it in sick biz, but it's not intended. We talk about organizational and business hacks for people with chronic uh, illnesses and disabilities. It is not meant to be the third leg of the stool. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be like, I don't know, the seat cover that makes your life more comfortable. You know, the it's not the placemat, exactly. But it's not, it's not your plate with the nutrition on it. It's, it's just a, a wonderful accent that can help you to progress or experience different, different, higher level um, of results. And so this is great because people talking about it, even incorrectly, enable you to bring to the forefront that it's an accent it's in addition to it is not the entire um
2: it's not the third leg of the stool
0: it's not the third leg of the stool absolutely regardless of what your beliefs may be or what your experience has been in western medicine that you go to the doctor with this deep entrenched faith and the belief in how they will help you get better. Sometimes this too trusting nature doesn't allow us to dig beneath the surface and figure out what is the root cause ailment. Certainly, this has been the case in my experience, as well as the fact that many doctors do not want to address the emotional aspect of being sick, and even the emotional aspect of what it will take for your mindset shift to get better. Matthew writes, as a person at the forefront of the changing mentality of neuropathic medicine, is working to combine some of the proven methodologies in Western medicine with the modern approach that can be found in holistic or natural medicine. His life's work involves helping people feel better and understand their bodies. If you would like to get in touch with Matthew Wright, please reach out to him on Facebook Messenger, and we will have that information for you on sickbiz.com. Did you like what you heard? Please listen, subscribe, share, and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz wherever podcasts are available. And don't forget to visit sickbiz.com for some of the greatest, most inspirational content, resources, hacks, and support that's available to our very special community. Of chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs, freelancers, and remote workers. You can listen to the podcast, find a job if you need to on our job board, and we always have new opportunities coming up with different companies to allow you a variety of choices for your professional occupation. In addition, if you are feeling like you could use some mental health support, we've got you covered. We're working in conjunction with a couple of mental health resources to make sure that our beautiful community is taken care of and there's no stigma for reaching out and getting the help that you need. In fact, in this world today, it is becoming rarer for people not to need some assistant assistance in their life to move forward and to overcome emotional and mental hurdles. Finally, don't forget to text SICKBIZ to three six two six zero and receive our resources in the palm of your hand. Yes, that's right, you can get it right to your phone and listen to our podcast, look for a job online, a mental health resource, or simply immerse yourself into one of our many blogs, offering the tools that you need to get ahead. So much inspiration, so much encouragement, so much love and acceptance is waiting for you. You might even think of this app as a coach in your pocket. We have lots of other things coming up as well, and you will want to be part of our Sick Biz Facebook group we'll be auctioning off a painting by a very well-known artist and we are always running some sort of promotion or giveaway and it's a lot of fun and certainly not to be missed that's it for today's episode of sick biz buzz until next time be well